Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited today to have a couple very special guests from the Durham VA to talk about tracheostomies and laryngectomies. So today with us first, we have Allison Zarzecki. She's a speech language pathologist who trained at the Durham VA and has been practicing full time here for the last 12 years. She's particularly interested in the treatment of communication and swallowing disorders in the acute care setting and also lifelong care to veterans who have laryngectomies through both voice restoration and pulmonary hygiene. We also have with us Beth Sweeney, who's an RT. She is the respiratory clinical coordinator at the Durham VA. She's been a respiratory therapist since 1986 and has been at the Durham VA since 2003. And she currently serves as the chair of the tracheostomy and laryngectomy committee. Thank you ladies for being here. Thanks for having us. Beth and I are passionate about the care of veterans with tracheostomy and laryngectomy and are excited to be on this podcast. We're going to use a lot of specific terminology, and so it may be helpful to refer to the PowerPoint that we have within the clinical resources. Okay, yeah, so if the residents are able, um, I would encourage you guys to go onto your curriculum website and look at the PowerPoint that Beth and Allison have made for y'all so you can actually see what they're talking about here. Let's start with a clinical vignette. Mr. Doe is a 68-year-old male who is status post-laryngectomy in 2018 who is admitted for hypotension and dizziness. Chart review indicates that he is status post-drake and G-dupe dependent. Providers document the patient as status post-laryngectomy with a trach. A respiratory therapy consult is ordered for tracheostomy management. In the nursing assessment note, the RN documented patient is having a Larry tube with listed supplies at bedside including inner cannulas. Respiratory therapy documented the patient as a laryngectomy with Larry tube. Speech therapy was also consulted for a swallow study and passimuir speaking valve. Documentation within the patient chart displayed varying reports of patient status with both mention of laryngectomy and trach. So what is this patient's airway? Is he a tracheostomy patient? Is he a laryngectomy patient with a trach in his stoma? Or is he a laryngectomy patient with a Larry tube in his stoma? The answers to these questions likely determine the appropriate course of care for this patient and guide clinical decision making. We'll loop back around to this clinical vignette at the end. For now, I'm going to turn it over to Beth with respiratory therapy for an introduction and discussion of tracheostomy. After reviewing 16 laryngectomy patients' charts, members of the tracheostomy and laryngectomy committee realized there was a need to educate all who provide care for tracheostomy and laryngectomy patients. During this podcast, we will define tracheostomy and laryngectomy, how they differ, and the safety issues involved with these types of patients. A tracheostomy is a surgically or percutaneously created opening in the neck, leading directly to the trachea. Patency is maintained with a hollow tube called a tracheostomy tube. A tracheostomy can be temporary or permanent, which is based on the need for the tracheostomy. Reasons why a patient would need a trach. Obstruction in the upper airway prolonged mechanical ventilation to maintain a patent airway, secretion mobilization. There are two types of trach tubes, cuffed and cuffless. The cuffed trach is used for patients needing mechanical ventilation. Patients that are not being mechanically ventilated most likely will have a cuffless trach. At the Durham VA, we use two different brands of trach tubes. Both come cuffed and cuffless. The Portex trach is a standard size trach which we use for most patients. The Shiley XLT is our extended length trach. The Shiley XLT extended length may be added distal or proximal. 
The distal shot of the XLT is used to get past the false track, tracheal stenosis, tracheal pocket, and a long tracheal anatomy. The proximal extended length is used for patients with a full neck or thick neck, commonly called football neck, and the morbid obese patient. There's a lot of technical terms there and a lot of brand names, but you guys have pictures of these, is that right? Correct. There's okay. a PowerPoint that labels both types of trachs and the difference between an outer cannula and an inner cannula. Now I'm going to turn it over to Allison to discuss laryngectomy. Laryngectomy is the surgical removal of the larynx, usually due to cancer. Once the larynx is removed, the trachea is redirected and now ends at the permanently created hole in the front of the neck called a stoma. The laryngectomy stoma is created by the tracheal rings and thus will not collapse versus a tracheostomy, which is created by a surgical incision into the trachea and will collapse if the trach tube is removed. In a tracheostomy, the trachea continues upward and connects to the upper airway and leads to the mouth and nose. In a laryngectomy, the mouth and nose are now disconnected from the trachea and lungs. So you have one tract for swallowing, from mouth to esophagus, and a completely separate tract from breathing, from stoma to trachea to lungs. Because of these separate and distinct tracts, laryngectomy patients cannot physiologically aspirate from typical eating or drinking, which is unlike tracheostomy patients who are at risk for aspiration. Also, because of these separate and distinct tracts in which the nose and mouth do not connect to the lungs, the patient is now a permanent neck breather, meaning any ventilation must occur through the stoma. So, if the patient needs oxygenation, it must be applied at the stoma. A nasal cannula won't be effective, for example. If a patient is in respiratory distress and needs to be bagged, it must occur at the stoma. If the patient needs mechanical ventilation, it must occur through the stoma. This is unlike a trach patient, which can be orally intubated and ventilated through the mouth and is sometimes seen in the case of an unexpected trach decannulation. Laryngectomy patients may have a Larry tube in place to keep their stoma patent. This is a soft silicone tube that is reusable and needs to be removed and cleaned daily by nursing staff or the patient as it can become clogged with secretions. It does not have an inner and outer cannula like a trach. They may also use a heat moisture exchange filter, which is referred to as an HME. It's just a lightweight cartridge that fits on the hub of the Larry tube and acts like the patient's nose by filtering and humidifying the air they breathe. Typically, laryngectomy patients will present with a Larry tube or even an open stoma, but occasionally they have a trach placed within their stoma. You may especially come across this in the immediate post-op setting or if the laryngectomy patient needs mechanical ventilation. This is when it gets confusing for providers, as although a laryngectomy with a trach in their stoma may look like a typical trach patient, they in fact have very different airways by virtue of their anatomy. So knowing whether your patient is a tracheostomy or laryngectomy patient is a crucial distinguishing feature and will further guide your clinical care. Okay, Allison, so what you're telling us is just looking at a patient doesn't necessarily tell us what the anatomy is. That's correct. Okay, and so we need to do a really thorough job of looking at the patient's chart to seeing exactly what procedures they've had to know what it is that we're dealing with. Exactly. Okay, thanks. I also want to touch briefly on communication because that's also a distinguishing feature between trach and laryngectomy patients. Laryngectomy patients do not have their vocal cords as their larynx has been surgically removed, whereas tracheostomy patients still have their larynx and vocal cords and may be able to use a passing near speaking and swallowing valve to speak. The PMV is a one-way valve placed on the hub of a trach with a deflated cuff. This enables air to pass by the vocal cords for speech. 
A laryngectomy patient does not have a larynx and vocal cords and thus is not a candidate for a passing ear speaking valve and must use alternative alaryngeal means of communication. So what would happen if we misunderstood someone's anatomy and accidentally put a PMV valve on a laryngectomy patient? On a laryngectomy patient with a trach in their stoma. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, they could breathe in, but they couldn't breathe out. Got it. Okay, so that would be bad. Yes. Okay. Very bad. <laughs> you may have seen some patients who use an electrolarynx. That's that robotic sounding device that's placed on the neck. Some patients use a form of speech called TE speech in which they're able to reroute air from the trachea to the esophagus through a surgeon-created tracheoesophageal fistula for more natural sounding speech. So think of speaking on a burp. Same idea. In these patients, you may notice a small silicone prosthesis within their stomal tract. This prosthesis is changed every three to four months by a speech pathologist. However, in the acute setting, I found that most often laryngectomies right to communicate, especially if they're in the acute post-operative setting. Thus, having a staff that is aware that the laryngectomy patient may not be able to call out for help or effectively voice concerns over a call bell is crucial. So let's return to that clinical vignette and the question of what is this patient's airway. You wouldn't exactly know based on the conflicting chart documentation, and that's a problem. But the answer is that this patient was indeed a laryngectomy patient. He had a Larry tube in his stoma and thus should be documented as status post laryngectomy with a Larry tube in place. Given that he's a laryngectomy, he's not a candidate for a PMV and is physiologically unable to aspirate from traditional eating and drinking. In addition, intercannulas would not be needed as he is a Larry tube, not a trach. The physician may indeed consider a speech consult for communication and a respiratory therapy consult for maintaining a patent airway, as well as nursing orders for daily stoma care and cleaning of the laryngectomy tube. So Beth, I have a few questions for you. Why do providers get confused between a trach and laryngectomy patient? Equipment looks very similar. An HME and a PMV may be hard to identify for someone not familiar with the equipment. They both use some of the same equipment. Both the trach tube and the Larry tube are secured by using trach ties. An aerosol trach collar is used with both patients for humidification. Conflicting documentation. Some of the laryngectomy patients have previously had a tracheostomy prior to laryngectomy surgery, and the problem list was not changed to reflect their current status as a laryngectomy patient. And what are the biggest safety considerations in these populations, and how is the Durham VA Tracheostomy and Laryngectomy Committee working to address these concerns? Not understanding the difference between the two airways. An emergency airway with a tracheostomy can be through the stoma or intubated orally or nasally if there is no airway obstruction. With a laryngectomy patient, their emergency airway can only be established through the stoma with a trach tube or an ET tube. Trying to intubate a laryngectomy orally or nasally will lead to an esophageal intubation. Addressing safety concerns, the Durham VA Tracheostomy and Laryngectomy Committee provides education to nursing staff and works to provide safe inpatient stays as well as safe patients' discharges. The respiratory department added tracheostomy and laryngectomy education for new RT employees, annual education for the RT staff. Our inpatient laryngectomies are to have a neck breather sign posted at the head of the bed. Both types of patients are to have emergency airway bags at bedside, ambu bag, aerosol trach collar for humidification, suction setup, and suction supplies. Tracheostomies are to have intercannulas and trach cleaning supplies at bedside. 
Okay, and so how can the residents be sure that that's being done correctly? Should we do that ourselves as the medical providers, or should we just make sure that these patients have RT and speech therapy consults on board? As long as you have those consults on board, you should see that at bedside. Perfect. Okay. And that, that's great. That kind of leads to my next question, which oh. is what can physicians do to be sure that patients get the appropriate care that they need? Understanding patient's anatomy and implication for care order sets. The tracheostomy patient has an inpatient maintenance order set and new tracheostomy discharge order set. Thanks for joining us in this podcast. It was fun and we hope you took something away from it. But if you want us to bottom line it, here are the top three things that we hope you take away. Number one, know your patient's airway, tracheostomy versus laryngectomy, and understand the safety issues unique to each. Two, a laryngectomy is an obligated neck breather, And three, respiratory therapy is a good resource for tracheostomy and speech pathology is a good resource for laryngectomy. We love working with physicians at the VA. See you on the floor. Thank you so much for talking with us today, ladies. Um, And again, I just want to reference the PowerPoint on the curriculum website for more information so you can actually see what this hardware looks like. And Beth and Allison are on the floor, so you should say hi when you see them out there. As always, the opinions and views expressed during this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the Durham VA.